Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Today we're kicking off a new series uh, and we're calling it Pursuing His Presence. And it's maybe a familiar phrase or a familiar topic to you and it is because we haven't changed the topic for eight years. Because it's the one thing. It's the number one thing. It's the the most important thing. And if we get our first things first, everything else flows out from that. And so what we wanted to do is take this time at the start of the year after Pastor John has unpacked the the heart that we believe God has revealed to us, for us as a community to, to love him and to love others well and intentionally and powerfully and simply. As we unpack being released, it begins with the coming in. So we're going to spend some time just reminding ourselves of what it means to be in his presence, to pray and to worship powerfully and effectively, to actually prioritize him. Because if we prioritize him, everything else falls into place. That's what we want to do. That's what we're going to do. And we're, I don't know about you, but I want to get to some of the nitty-gritty stuff. Is that all right if we do that, if we actually start to get it's like super practical? Because we've talked a lot about this stuff, but I want to actually get us to the place where we unpack some of the, the personal practices, some of the things that we can personally do to start actually exploring and experiencing and encountering God's presence in prayer and worship so that it's not just theory, but it's actually something which transforms us because when we are with Him, we are changed. That's what we want to do over the next, I think it's seven weeks, is that right? Seven weeks, so buckle in. It's going to be awesome. Barb prayed, uh, Barb was leading worship, prayed with the worship team this morning that we want to leave here different to how we arrived, and that's my prayer for all of us today. I don't want to come and spend some time in here and go out thinking, yeah, that's good, I know a little more. I want to leave having encountered God, right? Yeah, come on, that's what we're about. So, today, all of us got here somehow, right? Picture yourself this morning on your way to church, say. In the car, maybe in the traffic, maybe it was really early. Let's say hypothetically there's someone else in the car with you. A housemate, a sibling, a child, a spouse or a partner. Let's just say hypothetically, it wasn't a smooth morning. Of course it's hypothetical, everyone here had a beautifully smooth morning. It was not a hassle getting out of the house on time. But let's say hypothetically it's been an interesting morning and there's been a little bit of maybe conflict over who ate the last of the fruit toast, maybe the cereal's run out, maybe there's not enough milk, maybe something stupid was said or done. Of course not autobiographical, but imagine that. Imagine you're driving down the freeway to come to church, trying to feel spiritual and holy. But you know the feeling, when it hasn't gone well, you you play those conversations over and over in your head, right? Maybe you feel wronged. So you're like, oh, I'm really annoyed about that. I can't believe that happened, and I can't believe that happened, and I can't believe I said this, I can't believe I feel like that. 
You start to play conversations. You start to feel something. Here's the question. Let's just say the person that you're in the car with knows you pretty well. How many of you think that you could probably communicate your feelings to that person without uttering a word? Without even making eye contact? Of course it's never happened to you, but the person beside you is probably very good at letting people know when they're quite upset with them. Because you know what? That's how we're wired. We're actually wired to feel stuff and to give it away. That's, that's how we are wired. That's what we do. Maybe this illustration is a little bit better. Maybe you can, you can uh, resonate with this. I have uh, a Friday off. Maybe you can't resonate with that, but I have a Friday off. And it's lovely. I have a restful day. I get to do things that I need to get done, and I feel accomplished. And I get to about 3.30, and I'm full of peace and full of joy, and I think something to faintly glow. And then the high school kids get home to my house. Now, I can tell you within about 0.5 of a second how the rest of the afternoon is going to go by how they walk in the door, right? You know that feeling when someone walks in the door and you're like, whoa, what's all this? What's going on? What are you bringing in the room right now? It's a bit funky and not real good. And it's not just this 14-year-old smell. Although that doesn't help. A friend I went to high school with actually was in a band and he wrote the song just about that very thing. And he's called it being a negative vibe merchant. <laughs> Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Because it's not good. That's kind of what I want to talk to you today about. Not being negative. But the fact that we are pre-wired, that it's kind of built into us to feel something and to give it away. That as we are aware of stuff going on in our lives, we are hardwired to give it away. That's not really a surprise. It's not surprising at all because if you take what the Bible says to be true, and I do, that we are created in God's image, you look at God and the entire narrative of Scripture from the the first word he utters to begin creation to the very end, God is giving of himself. He's giving away something. He's giving away love. He's giving away joy. He's giving away peace. He's giving away a place, an identity. He's always giving. Of course, that's what we're like. But don't you think it's interesting that we can kind of default? We can probably give away the negative feelings that we feel very easily, but it's probably a little bit harder to pick up on the God stuff in our lives. Why is that? Why is that? If that's how we're created, why is it? Well, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about how we give and receive. We've been talking about a lot in services, and I've kind of been kind of pondering it and thinking through it. And we live in a pretty amazing time. It's pretty amazing. Like, I don't know, I'm a child, I was born in the 70s, I grew up in the early 80s, I'm a child of Buck Rogers and things like that. You could watch, you know, oh, Blake Seven. Do you remember Blake Seven? Anybody in the room? 17 of us. Awesome. I grew up with these sci-fi shows, and back then it was like you could touch a screen and something would happen, and I live in the future. 
I touch a screen and things happen. Like the future is here, people. It's amazing. We can talk to someone overseas. I literally just on speakerphone in my car spoke to my friend in Thailand for an hour on the way home the other day. What? It didn't cost me anything. The future is here. It's an amazing time to be alive. We are so connected. We are so aware. You know, like literally someone can catch a cold in China and it stops the world. It's good that we're aware of it. But the point being is that we are so connected. We are so connected. Today is a great day because we're so connected. But the problem is we're so influenced. And this is what I've been pondering because as humans, we like to think that we make a lot of decisions for ourselves, that we're independent and we're able to intentionally engage in our lives. And that's true to an extent. And we think that we are formed when we choose to be formed, that our lives are shaped when we choose to have them shaped. When I sit down to my quiet time, I am choosing to let my heart and my soul and my mind be shaped by the Lord. When I come to church and learn, when I go to life group, when I do all these intentional activities. But the reality is, from the second we open our eyes to the second that our head hits that pillow, we're being formed by everything that we see and engage with. And if you're like my kids, the podcasts and music that run all night, you're being formed even when you sound asleep. We're formed by everything. And culture seeps in and it speaks to us and it shapes us and it makes us respond in ways that we're not even necessarily aware of. And so it's no wonder that we start to give away brokenness and dysfunction. We're just trying to find the dysfunction that fits into the group that we're a part of. We're hardwired to give it away and we're hardwired to be formed by what we look at. It's a spiritual principle. What we see and hear and who we talk to on the phone forms us. Every part of it. At home, at school, at work, socially, at church, everything. So what do we do about that? Let's open up the Bible and let's go to Acts chapter 3. Hopefully a, a bit of a familiar passage to you after the last few weeks. I want to pick up in... Oh, I put verse 2 on the slide, but I might as well start at verse 1 because it helps. Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, intentionally forming themselves as good spiritual men. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. See, Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And the story goes on. They were amazed at what happened. And there's two dynamics that I want to draw out of this today. There's two dynamics. The first 
and we're going to come back to this right at the end, is the man looked up and expected to receive something. He didn't know what he was going to get. He had an idea of what he might get because people were used to giving him silver and gold. But there was an expectancy in his heart to receive. We'll come back to that. But what will take us there is that simple phrase that Peter and John uttered, such as I have, I give thee. What I've got, I'll give to you. It's how we're hardwired, right? This isn't a surprise. This isn't new. We're ministers. We're created to do this. We're created to minister, to give away. That's what that word means, that we're designed to take something that is ours, that we have received, and give it to someone else, to apply it to them, minister it to them. That's who we are. That's what we're allowed to do. That's why we can give away our funky negative vibes without a thought. So how does this relate to a posture of prayer and worship, which is what we're here to talk about today? That's the introduction done. What does that mean for how we come to the Lord in a space like this? What does it mean when I come to a time of prayer and worship? What I'm looking for, what I'm thinking about, is what happens here so that what we carry goes out there. It's not just shifting our information or our perception, it's actually shifting our practice and our heart affections in these moments. We can't approach God's presence or the place that's set up for you to encounter it as just another activity. I know that if you're like me, you've probably got your... Outlook calendar set up and there's a two-hour block for church on a Sunday morning and a two-hour block for church on a Sunday night. It's nice and clean and neat. But what happens in here should bleed right outside of that. It's not just an activity because if we keep it in that space compartmentalized and bundled up neatly as a Sunday morning thing with my nice clothes and the kids in kids' church, we miss the point. That's why we bang on about this. So here's, here's the rub. People hate it, I'm going to do it anyway. Just turn to the person beside you, have a look at them. Look them right in the eye. Look at the other side now if you're not at the end of an aisle, or look across the aisle and gaze. Sorry, you guys, at the end. Look at the beautiful aluminium cladding. Did you know that every single person you looked at contributes to what happens in here on a Sunday morning? Every single person has an impact on what happens in this room on a Sunday morning. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God in his infinite wisdom and his creative design and his amazing divine economy said, you know what? I want you guys involved. Wow. Wow. It's because what we feel and what we carry, we get to give away. And so no matter what you're feeling today, no matter what you're carrying, no matter what this morning or this week or last week or the year or the last decade or your life has been, what you bring into this room, you're giving away. Actually, I think whether you like it or not. Now, I'm not just talking about the smile on your face. 
I'm not just talking about your beautiful cologne or perfume or lack of. Our intimacy with God, the way we connect with him, impacts what's going on in our lives. And God, as I said, has set up this economy that we get to then share that with each other. No matter your level of interaction or lack thereof, it makes a difference. Whether you're sitting in the back corner, in the dark at a 5 p.m. service, or you're front and center on the carpet crying, what's going on in you actually contributes to what's going on in the room. What a privilege and what an invitation and what a shift of perspective it would be for us to start to enter in with that in mind, right? What's possible? Now, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's simple. I, I, every Sunday, come to at least two services. Sometimes three if you get invited to something else. I do a lot of church. I'm also a muso, which means I'm in a lot of worship sessions. Sometimes I play, sometimes I just get to be a participant. I get to worship without an instrument in my hands. Let me tell you, as a muso, it's really hard to switch off the muso part of your brain to worship God. I'm listening to the mix, I'm listening to the parts, I'm listening to what they're singing and saying, I'm thinking, wow, this is what I would do if I was doing it, here's what I feel like I was doing in this moment. It's just this constant inner monologue. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Is that just me? Okay, there's a few of us, it's probably the Blake Seven people. It's exhausting to be in my head some days. But what that does is when we come into this place and we're looking at it in a natural perspective, when we're looking at it from how it's just going on around us, we're not looking at what God's calling and saying to us on our internal space, what we're doing is we're stepping out of being aware of his presence and we're stepping into a place, even in a good way, of judgment. And we're focusing not on him, but we're focusing on each other, right? And so what's in us is flowing out. And so I'm giving away what I'm feeling. I'm picking up something to give away, and I'm like, that's not as good as it could be. That's not as nice. I would have done it this way. Now, the beauty of how God has set this up is that he invites us to step through that. He invites us in a place of maturity to go, what you've got, you give, so would you come to me? What we pick up, we give away. And so it takes an intentional step as we come into this place for each and every one of us, no matter what's going on, to step through our preferences, actually to step through our prejudices and our offenses and come back to the feet of our King Jesus. Because as we posture ourselves in a place of prayer and worship, it's not about my preference or my prejudice. It's about the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords and the invitation to be with him. And in that place, we're transformed. That's a posture of prayer and worship. It's a choice. That's why we're talking about this today, because... What's going on in you right now is impacting what's going to happen later on in the service. Today, tonight, in your life, and tomorrow, when you work into your workplace, when you, when you step into the kitchen at home to make lunch, 
You know, you know exactly what I mean. When that preacher said something that you disagreed with, when that life group leader didn't say hi to you, when that person ignored you or said something offensive, you take it home and you serve it to everyone for lunch, right? When you see God set someone free and heal a body, when, when someone finds life in Jesus, when someone gets touched by the Holy Spirit and the tears of joy and life starts to flow, you come home and you serve it to everyone for lunch, right? God did this amazing thing. What we experience and encounter, we give away. And it's important. It's so important. It's so important because in our connection with Jesus, in our confidence in him and who he is and what he wants to do, as we are convicted beyond any intellectual ascent to a heart level of his goodness and his mercy and his life and his joy and his salvation, when we sit in a place of faith, anything's possible with him. Some of you are like, yes, yes, on the inside. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, are we seriously going here again? It makes all the difference. My relationship with God, yes, it's in us. But we're wired to let it come out. And so don't think that it's just about you and him and it doesn't affect anyone else. He's put the Holy Spirit in you to let it come out, to let him come out. And it seems maybe straightforward, simplistic, maybe even superstitious, depending on your background and your upbringing, but it makes a difference. You look at the life of Jesus, Son of God. Anointed by the Holy Spirit, like a dove rests upon him as his father declares his identity. This is my beloved son whom I love and him I am well pleased before he had done a thing. Declaration of identity. We know from John's gospel that Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. We, we know that he only said what he heard the father saying. We know that he lived a life yielded to the Holy Spirit, living out obedience to the father. John's gospel at the end just has these beautiful prayers where Jesus kind of wraps up his ministry and says, God, I've, I've led them to you and I've led you to them and I've connected everyone and your glory has been made manifest. Lord, just would you do what you asked me to do? Would you come? Would you send your spirit? Would everything be as you asked it to be, Father? Shouldn't matter for him, right? Shouldn't matter what's going on around him when... He's God himself, right? Let's open up our Bibles again. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. Really interesting passage. Jesus doing Jesus stuff. It says this, Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, the town of Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph? Wow, different translation. And Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. 
And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own household. And catch this. And he, Jesus, could not do mighty work there, except that he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. You would think that if anyone could step through a lack of faith in the room, I mean, Lazarus was dead and he got raised. It wasn't his faith. You think that if, if anyone on planet Earth could overrule, it would be Jesus, right? And Jesus in full flight, Jesus at the height of his ministry, Jesus after mighty works have been done and crowds were flocking to him, he stands up and he wants to do mighty works and all he can do is heal a few sick people because of their lack of faith. Step forward to 2020, the 16th of February, just around 10 a.m., Question one, has God changed? Does God still desire to do mighty works? Is Jesus alive and by his spirit with us today? Then what part does our faith play in what he wants to do? What part does what's going on in your heart right now make What does it play? What difference does it make to that person beside you? You might think it doesn't matter too much, but what if that person walked in today with a a diagnosis of cancer and they need Jesus? What if that person came in carrying anxiety, carrying fear, whether Jesus can show up and do something matters entirely to them? And God, in his infinite wisdom, and I don't understand, and it confuses me, and I would have it a different way if I could choose, said, what's going on in your life and mine makes a difference to them. Our posture and prayer and worship in our places with him, be it on a Sunday morning, be it in our car, in our quiet time, in our life group, in a worship room, wherever it is, our posture to him entirely determines what will happen around us. He's sovereign. He'll he'll trump in when he wants to. He does things the way he wants to do them, but he wants to use us. That person you looked at before, he wants to use them to help you encounter him. Some of you are like, I really want that person to start listening. I really need that person to get this. But they're probably thinking the same thing about you. Because this is the reality that God has given us. This is, this is kingdom body life in Christ. Each part of the body impacts the rest. Each part of the body determines to some extent, how the rest of the body is going to feel when we celebrate, we celebrate together. When we're in pain, the whole thing hurts. God's connected us together and he's put his spirit right in the center of it. Which is why what happens when we come to him is so important. It's why we sing the songs that we do. That's why we create a space 
That's why we're going to keep creating a space. We're going to keep pushing the boundaries of what it looks like to have a space of worship and prayer where we can encounter his presence because it's in the encountering of his presence in the context of this family that helps us mature and grow in love. It's in that context of his life flowing in that we are transformed. I believe in discipleship. I believe in mission and outreach and connecting with those who don't know Jesus. I believe in it all. But if it doesn't start with him at the center, we run into trouble. So, the nitty-gritty. We're going to practice. We're going to practice. You know, 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, Paul makes it very clear that we corporately, us together... We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where God's presence dwells. He also says very clearly, specifically, first person singular, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. When you said yes to Jesus, when you're in a relationship with him, when you are connected to him, when you're living a life of a disciple, apprentice to Jesus, as you're living in that way, you are a place, a dwelling place for God's presence. Such as we have, we give. We're changed by him. What you've got, you can give away. So this is what Paul says in Romans, and this is what we're going to practice in just a moment. Paul says it, and it loses something in the familiarity and in the way we translate it into English. But he says, I appeal to you. But think of it like someone throwing themselves on the mercy of a judge. I appeal to you. I appeal to you. Please, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I appeal to you, do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the changing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What you dwell on, what you think about, what you focus on really matters. It really matters. It really matters. It it matters what you carry. It matters what you think. If you carry offense and bitterness, a lack of faith, it's actually going to impact what's going on around you. Maybe God wants to do mighty works in our midst and maybe our unbelief is a barrier. Maybe our awareness of his goodness and mercy and his presence, there is the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, as we are in that place, if that's what we're aware of, then guess what we get to give away? So we're going to practice. What that looks like. I've asked the Lord and I've got a few ideas. We're just going to see where it goes because we're not in a hurry. It's five past ten. Your parents of kid churches, you've got like 30 minutes before we have to go. That's a lot of practice. I want to ask you this before I get into the practice. Unless you're rostered onto something in the cafe... Please don't leave because worship's about to start. Please don't dishonor the space. 
But please honor the Lord in this space today. Take the time to put aside your preference. Because you may not like the worship, but I'm sure that you like prayer. So would you pray, maybe, for the next little while? Would you come before the Lord, whether it's in song or by prayer and petition? Would you come before the Lord as we spend this time as your spiritual act of worship, of coming before him? And would you let him start to transform your thinking? Because the nitty gritty is it happens in the moment. It happens in the discipline. It happens in the humbling. It happens in the prioritizing him. It happens as we stop. It happens as we sacrifice. As we step through discomfort and we step through awkwardness and we step through all those things. Because what's on the other side is a God who desires to do mighty works in our midst and he's looking for people who will partner with him. And I don't know about you, but I want to partner with him. I want to spend the next little moment being transformed so that when we stop and the opportunity comes for someone to encounter Jesus, I've got something to give. And maybe you don't get any other time in your week. So this is a gift to you now. But we're going to spend that time. We're going to put him first. So as we worship, do your business with God. Repent for where you need to repent. Humble yourself where you need to humble yourself. Quiet yourself where you need to quiet yourself. Know that he is our high priest who is not unfamiliar with every trial and tribulation we face. There's nothing happening in your life that God doesn't care about and doesn't want to step into. There's nothing in your life that he's not big enough to handle. In this moment of worship, posture your heart. Let your beliefs start to outweigh your doubt. He said, just faith like a mustard seed is all it takes. Great and mighty things will happen in our midst. So I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the, the tech guys to just drop the lights right now. Because for the next five minutes, maybe 10, we'll see where the Lord takes us. This is your time. Let him minister to you. Let him fill you. Let him refresh you. Do your business. Do your exchanges. Do your repenting and your receiving. Put off the lies and put on the truth of who he is. Let him transform you as he renews your mind as we focus on him. Lord Jesus. In this moment, Lord, would you, would you lift our eyes to you? Would you lift off all of the other stuff which distracts? God, would you convict our hearts and our minds to put you first in this moment, above all else, above our preference? Would you awaken us to the maturity we carry to step through the distractions of song choice and people around us and preferences that we would find you in the midst. Would you come, Lord Jesus? Would you come be with us this morning? We choose you. We want only you. 
God, we make a space for you. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.